weeks as we've been discussing uh, this topic of learning to rest in a restless world and uh, I've certainly mentioned it, it's certainly come up in uh, the course of our uh, last few weeks together, but uh, today I want to kind of address them a little more directly and uh, talk about uh, how these uh, areas uh, of uh, emotions can really uh, begin to rob us of rest uh, and uh, having uh, rest in our souls and, and time that uh, is important for us to evaluate uh, what are those um, areas of our life that we begin feeling uh, overwhelmed and, and, um, and a little bit um, uh, anxious, uh, maybe fearful, maybe worrisome. Uh, about the situation and circumstances of life. And so we're going to talk about those and uh, seek to apply some scriptures to those areas. And then uh, next week I'll be out, uh, but uh, Alex, uh, Pastor Alex Master Lenaro will be in here and uh, we're going to tackle next week uh, the issue of depression. So um, it's kind of the, uh, when all these areas fail, um, often what takes place is uh, you find yourself in a state of depression. And uh, so Pastor Alex is going to uh, talk about that uh, next week and uh, spend some time with you guys while uh, my family and I are out uh, next weekend. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dig into these uh, items that we have before us today uh, as it relates to anxiety, fear, and worry. Lord, we come before you, and we are grateful for uh, the opportunity to be uh, before you this morning in our worship service, as well as this opportunity here to uh, have some time to think and consider these uh, topics of anxiety, fear, and worry, and how uh, these areas of our life and emotions that you give us uh, as, as gifts, uh, but can become uh, areas of our life that uh, can become overruling and can take over our lives. And so we just pray that uh, you would uh, help us think through these uh, areas today and think about them in a distinctly biblical way, in a way that would be helpful not only uh, for our thinking, but for engaging our emotions and engaging in those moments where we feel uh, overwhelmed and anxious and uh, fearful uh, of, of the circumstances that are um, in our lives. So Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us think through these things today and that you would be honored and blessed as we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, let's look at some themes that we see uh, here uh, as we think about even the case studies that uh, we went through last week. Uh, so those three case studies that a uh, single lady uh, that was pursuing uh, a lot of uh, her ambitions in her life. Uh, and then we uh, saw that, um, uh, that older couple. And then what was my third one? Uh, it was uh, uh, the 40-some-year-old uh, father, uh, husband, and uh, man that was just kind of overwhelmed with uh, all that the Lord had for him in his life. And so uh, we want to kind of continue uh, thinking through 
in a practical way uh, those case studies or at least having some of those kinds of uh, thoughts and that kind of those situations in our mind uh, maybe you're like hey I have my own situation right here right now today uh, that I don't need to think about a case study I it's my life that I'm living uh, and that's great too but I want you to be thinking about uh, those types of areas that uh, you you know whether it's uh, from somebody you're spending time with uh, seeking to disciple, help uh, and process through th something, or whether it's perhaps your own life. Uh, be thinking about those things as we think through these principles here this morning. But anxiety, fear, and worry can be produced in our lives amidst the busyness and chaos of life due to a various, uh, various factors of all kinds. Um, you, you know them. Uh, being overwhelmed and feeling... Uh, the pressures of life, the constant demands of work, family, and responsibilities can lead to feelings that overwhelm us and pressure us and cause us uh, some level of anxiety and worry about meeting expectations and managing time effectively. Uh, uncertainty and changes, right, in life. Rapid changes and uncertainties of various kinds such as job transitions, financial fluctuations, health issues, all can trigger anxiety and fear and worry about the future and the unknown. Uh, how about lack of control, right, of situations and circumstances? Feeling out of control in certain situations or unable to influence outcomes can lead to anxiety and fear as we grapple with the uncertainty of future situations. Comparison and performance. Constantly comparing ourselves to others or feeling the need to perform at a high level can breed anxiety and worry about not measuring up or meeting external standards of someone in your life. Maybe it's a academic setting, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a boss, maybe it is a spouse even. There's all kinds of situations that we can begin to measure ourselves up to to see if we are performing at the standards that we think we ought to. Uh, information overload, we kind of talked about that in that first week, right? In today's digital age and the constant influx of news and social media and information can just overwhelm our minds and exacerbate anxiety of different kinds. I've gotten to the point personally where I, I mean, for good and for bad, uh, I almost watch no news. Like, I, on any given day, uh, you probably could, unless it's just something major going on, uh, ask me what's going on. I, I may not really be able to tell you outside of my personal life and uh, the thing, because I've just gotten to the point where without getting political, I hardly believe any of it on any, either side, anything in between. It's, it's just, and it's exhausting for me to try to figure out how to get to the truth in the midst of all that chaos that's happening in the world of media. And so, um, you know, again, for good or bad, you could throw stones at me for it or whatever, but I, I've kind of taken the approach, uh, and some of it not even intentionally, it's just like, uh, I, I just can't catch up and keep up with uh, the amount of information, the amount of information that's just flowing. Uh, and so I, I've really kind of almost taken a hands-off approach of just, hey, um, I, I can't control it, and it just makes me 
um, anxious, so uh, I'm just gonna you know kind of take a step back from it. Uh, lack of stewardship, uh, neglecting self-care and not prioritizing rest, exercise, and bad eating habits uh, can all lead to increased stress, burnout, and heightened feelings of fear and anxiety in life. Uh, how about catastrophic thinking? Uh, Renumerating and the worst case scenarios and catastrophic thinking can escalate into anxiety and fear and making situations appear more dire than they actually are at times. And we can just, uh, you know, we're, we're just thinking about what if that thing happens? You know, it's like this worst case, like, well, uh, the chances of that are pretty low <laughs> uh, for one, but number two, even if worst case scenario happens, God is in control, right? And we'll talk about that. Uh, spiritual battles, right? Uh, real spiritual challenges and battles. The enemy may use fear and anxiety to detract us and discourage us from our faith and trust in God. I've, I've experienced this even as a leader in the church of just uh, getting discouraged and seeing uh, the, the spiritual warfare that's, that's taking place and what uh, may or may not be taking place. And you, know, you can just kind of get in this, uh, but you have to pull back and remember, hey, the Lord loves his church and he loves his people and his children more than I do. And I have to rest and trust in that. Um, health concerns, physical health issues, a chronic illness, can contribute to anxiety and worry about well-being and future health outcomes. Uh, unresolved trauma, past traumas of, that are unresolved emotional wounds can resurface in times of stress and uh, challenges in life and contributing again to this fear and anxiety. And so it's important to recognize that experiencing these emotions and these dynamics in life in the midst of life's busyness and chaos are real human experiences. Uh, they, they need to be thought through in a distinctly biblical way as to uh, address them as they come up. Uh, and hopefully some of those things uh, just resonate at one level or another with you because uh, it is the human experience, right? We, we've been given emotions by God. Uh, and these things can be uh, dealt with in a way that is honoring to him, or they can be dealt with in a way that are dishonoring to him uh, in that uh, we begin to fail to trust in him and depend upon him and rest in him uh, in the midst of uh, life circumstances. And so that's really what we wanna begin to really dive into today is how do we respond uh, and what scriptures do we go to in the times where that overwhelming experience begins to well up in our hearts, right? Uh, how many of you guys have experienced that in the last month? I'll just say that. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm imagining a lot of you guys, uh, if not all of us, uh, to one degree or another, whether whatever circumstance that may be that you're walking through in life. Maybe sometimes it's not any major thing, like, right? I talk about it with my wife and uh, others, our elders and all that. A lot of times it's like death by a thousand pinpricks, right? It's not like one big major thing. It's like all these little things that are just like, you know, somebody asks you what's wrong. I don't know why, because there's, it's not any one thing. It's just like thousands of things that are, you know, poking you and prodding you and, and making you feel uh, however you are feeling. And so uh, many of these things within themselves are not sinful, 
right? We need to understand that just uh, the, as you begin to feel that feeling, it's what you do with it that is a right, proper, or unbiblical response, right? It's not the feeling within itself that uh, is sin, uh, but be careful because your emotions can quickly lead you into sin if you're not careful. And, and so that's why we want to talk about uh, these things this morning. First uh, Corinthians 10:13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let le- I'm sorry, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may able, be able to endure it, right? So in that moment, there's a temptation, right? Uh, in that moment of anxiety or worry or fear, there's a temptation, and it's the question at that crossroads, what are you going to do with this real human emotion and experience? And this verse reminds us that the challenge and struggles that we face are real, including anxiety, fear, and common human experiences in this life. They're, they're not just fake. And I think sometimes in the biblical world, and certainly uh, those of us that desire to address things from a a biblical perspective is we almost kind of discount uh, human emotions and that experience is something that's just, uh, well, it, it, we, we just kind of de-emphasize it uh, in order to emphasize truth, right? Uh, and we want to have truth as the drivetrain of our thinking. And so we, we just talk about that, but we don't really talk about uh, often the, the neglect is on the human emotions and how we think about those things. So we need to recognize that dwelling in a state of chronic anxiety is not God's design for us. Uh, And how do we, in the midst of that, or even better yet, hopefully you're not in that situation this morning, but how do you prepare your mind, your thinking, and your processing of truth in a way that when that day does come, you're prepared for it, right? The, The time to prepare for chaos is not in the chaos. It's before. It's that you may know how to address that when the day comes. And so uh, we need to make sure that we're putting on uh, God's word, thinking through it in a biblical way before that day comes, not when that day is at our doorstep. The Bible encourages us to cast our care upon the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7, and find rest in him amidst life's challenges. And we could see that in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, which we'll look at today, uh, just looking at the significance and importance of uh, finding rest in the person of Christ in the midst of these things. And this all sounds great, right? But how do we actually do it? How do we find rest in the midst of the chaos of life? And to begin, we must first identify the issues of the heart that are causing the anxiety, fear, and worry. These things can reveal various aspects of our hearts and the inner struggles of our being. And so we want to look at a few ways that our hearts have vulnerability to these emotions and that steal our rest, or said in a positive way, what we can do to confront these vulnerabilities within our hearts at those times and at those moments. And so number one here, that first blank, that I have for you is dependence on God, right? Not a surprise there, but experiencing excessive anxiety 
and worry may not indicate a, may indicate a tendency to rely too heavily on our own abilities and understanding rather than trusting in God. I think a key verse here, and, and this is kind of what I'll do here under each one of these points here, is my main goal is to give you one key verse to be thinking about for that principle. I'll give you some probably cross-references as we go, but you know, I, you're right, we get too many passages. We get too many verses rumbling around in our brain, and then in the midst of those moments, it's like, oh, what was that passage again? Uh, really, I want to give you a guide here that you could keep, maybe, uh, if this is a particular struggle or challenge for you, that you could go back to and say, yeah, that verse, that's the one I need to be thinking on. That's the one I need to memorize on. That's the one I need to be uh, meditating on in the midst of this particular circumstance. So the first one here for this point, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Very familiar passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. These verses encourage us to relinquish our worries, fears, and anxieties by trusting in God wholeheartedly, seeking his wisdom in all aspects of life and relying on him to guide us in the right path. And this verse reminds us that we don't have to carry the burdens of life alone, right? For God is always there to support and guide us. And trusting the Lord instead of relying solely on our own understanding or trying to figure everything out on our own, that's often where I find myself beginning to feel these emotional experiences, right? Is when the reality is of my heart, of my soul in that moment, is I am trying to take the solution of whatever this issue is all on my own shoulders. That, that is a reality for me. Uh, and uh, everything uh, that we are is not sufficient for the problems of our life. And, and we have to acknowledge that and accept that before the Lord. But trusting God means acknowledging that he himself and he alone is in control and that he knows what is best for us, right? He is sovereign. He knows what is best and good for us. And sometimes we think what his plan is for our life and what he thinks is best for us is not actually best for us. And that's when it begins to be in conflict, right? There's something in our life that I don't like, but yet in God's wisdom, in his goodness, in his sovereignty, he has brought that into my life at this moment. And you have a decision to make at the point. You're at a crossroads at that point is, am I truly going to trust in the Lord for his plan in my life and bringing this into my life, whatever it may be, or am I going to act as the sovereign one and try to take control and try to take all responsibility for this situation on my own shoulders. And it says, don't lean on your own understanding. It's a very natural human experience, right? For us to try and make sense of the situations and find solutions on our own. However, this proverb advises us not to rely solely on our own wisdom. And I would even say not to rely predominantly on our own wisdom but to rely upon God's understanding and for his sovereignty to rule in that situation. The reality is most of our life 
we are just on the ride, right? We're just along for the ride and what God is seeking to accomplish in our lives, in and through what he is doing in our lives. Do we have responsibility? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong that we certainly have our responsibility to respond properly and to have responsibility in the circumstances of life. But uh, the reality is these things come in and out just so quickly, right? In and out and changes and all kinds of things happening that God is doing. Like John Piper says, in everything God's doing, he's doing 10,000 things that we're unaware of. And it may not even be related to your life. And it may not even be related to uh, what God's seeking to do specifically in your life. But he's using the situation that impacts you to do all kinds of other things in other people's lives and in the world. And so we have to acknowledge in a sovereign God's world that we are a bit on the ride and the experience of what God is seeking to do in his sovereign will. And so he will... Make your, your ways uh, straight your paths uh, by putting our trust in God and involving him in all aspects of our lives. We can find comfort in knowing that he will guide us and direct our paths. And this does not mean that life will be without challenges, but that God promises to lead us in the right direction and provide us with what we need to navigate through the difficult times of life if we will follow his word, follow his will, that is what really God is calling us to be faithful in. And so many things are outside of our control. The one thing that we can do is seek to obey his word, obey his will, follow his will. And in the midst of that, he's looking for our godliness, our own good, and his glory to be accomplished. Uh, you could look at other verses there. That's, that's the key one. But uh, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 says this. Thus says the Lord, Curse is the man who trusts in a man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness. It is an, an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Right? So what we do uh, in these times of preparation matter for the struggle, the the drought, the times where it's going to be difficult, the preparation for it in advance is important. What are you doing? Are you seeking the Lord in the midst of these times and, and even beforehand in order to prepare properly? Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord, our God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Last one, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, he can do nothing. And so you want to have fruit in your life. You want to be a fruitful individual, even in the midst of the 
difficult and circumstances of life, uh, you need to make sure that you are finding uh, your life first and foremost in the person of Christ, the vine, uh, as we seek to live for him. Uh, secondly here, uh, it's trust in God's character. So uh, similar, but uh, the first one is more in just God's sovereignty. Yes, that's part of his character, but uh, this one expanding a little bit uh, broad, more broadly to think about all of God's character and attributes. Uh, persistent fear and worry can expose a lack of trust in God's promises and in his faithfulness to take care of his children. Uh, psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. This is a psalm that we often uh, have shared with our own children, uh, whether it be in the midst of uh, a, a storm at night or whether it be in a circumstance, whatever it may be, where they've been fearful. It's a simple yet powerful verse highlighting the psalmist's response to fear and anxiety, placing their trust in God. And so we could break down this passage a little further. It says, when I, am when I am afraid, and this verse acknowledges that fear, again, is a natural human emotion. It assumes it, right? The scriptures assume that there will be moments in our life that these emotions are felt and experienced in our life. It doesn't say, when I am in fear, you are in sin. It just says, when I am afraid, what do I do about it? right? I look to the Lord. I put my trust in you. And he says there, despite experiencing the fear, the psalmist choose to direct their trust towards God in the midst of that time. So this is the crossroads, right? When I am afraid, crossroads, what will I do? Will I lean on my own understanding, as we just saw there in Proverbs, Will we lean on our self-sufficiency? Will we lean on whatever I can have and contribute? Or I will put my trust in you. I'll rest in you. This verse can be a source of comfort for those facing worries and anxieties in life. Not just my children. All of us. It reminds us that we have a reliable and caring source to support us in the person of God. And when fear creeps in, we can turn to him and place our trust in his faithfulness and his goodness. In times of worry and anxiety, this verse encourages us to seek God in prayer, right? We're turning to him, meditating on his promises, and finding solace in the knowledge that he is always there for us, right? So we can think about meditate on his omniscience his omnipresence we can begin just meditating thinking upon what do i know to be true about the character of god what are those attributes that i know the scripture speaks to and i can meditate on those i can think upon those because often what we'll find in those moments of those emotions is that we're beginning to practically believe something we don't formally believe to be true. So bringing what we formally believe to be true down to our functional experience of fear, worry, anxiety. 
bringing all that to be true on that situation. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You can trust in him. You can rest in him. Why? Because he's secure. He's sure. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Matthew 26, or I'm sorry, 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In fact, if you look at the studies, it does the exact opposite. It actually reduces your quality of life and your length of life. Anxiety does the exact opposite of what the scriptures teach, you know, here as it relates to what you would receive if you pursue these things in a spirit of fear and anxiety. Number three here, learn to release control, right? It's all kind of leading up to this, right? Learn to release control. Anxiety often arises when we feel a lack of control over our situations or outcomes, revealing a desire to be in charge rather than surrendering to God's plan and his sovereignty. Proverbs 16.9 here is a key verse. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And this verse emphasizes the idea that though we may make plans and have our own intentions, ultimately, God is the one who directs and establishes the course of our lives, as I was mentioning earlier. And so as we explore this verse, it really begins to probe into dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety in, in several ways. Number one here in Proverbs 69, uh, it, it really is a call to trust in God's sovereignty. The verse encourages us to, to recognize that while we plan and prepare, we must trust in God's sovereignty and divine providence. And it acknowledges that we are not in complete control of our lives, but that God is ultimately in charge. Again, it's this synergy of our responsibility with God's sovereignty. And often what we try to do in that synergistic effort is try to assume total control and responsibility for the circumstances that are taking place in our life. But secondly here, what we can see in this verse in Proverbs 16 is to relinquish worry and anxiety. We, we're to knowing that God is in control, it, it can begin to help us take the grasp off of the situation and let go of unnecessary worry and anxiety. We can find comfort in the fact that God knows what is best for us and will guide our steps accordingly. The reality is so many situations, right, we get white knuckled around them. 
It's because we desperately want something so bad that when it's threatened to be removed from us, then we start getting the worry and anxiety and fear. Or it can happen, you know, in the flip, reverse, right? We, we don't want something so badly that we want to control all the circumstances around us to make sure we don't have that enter into our lives. So something we so badly want to keep or something that we don't want to have in our life that we're trying to control all the circumstances of life to make sure that we either keep it or that we don't get it. And what is that? Idolatry, right? It begins to show the idols that are evident in our life. And we'll talk about that in one of our items here this morning as well. But find uh, peace in God's direction as well, as we can see here in this verse. We can find peace in God's direction. When we surrender that control, when we are willing to do that, we begin to find that peace. Instead of becoming consumed by fear of the unknown, we can find peace in the assurance that God is leading us. Even when circumstances seem uncertain or challenging, we can have confidence that God is working in our lives and leading us on the right path. And then lastly, a surrender completely to God's plan. This verse encourages us to surrender our plan to God and trust in his plan and that it's better than anything we could devise on our own. And that's really a question for us in the moments of of those situations. Do we really trust that whatever his plan is, is better than our own? And I would submit that when we linger in those worrisome times, those moments of anxiety, fear, when we're lingering there, we are making a decision, whether we're cognitively thinking about it or not, but we're, we're beginning to put ourselves in a place where we don't trust the sovereign plan of God and we think we have a better plan. So in dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety, Proverbs 16.9 reminds us to rely on God's wisdom and guidance, to surrender control by trusting in his plan and surrendering our, surrendering our own, we can begin to find peace and assurance even in the midst of life's uncertainties. And you realize that in these things, I'm not talking about changing the circumstances, right? Because we can't. Most of the time, we can't. And that's why we become anxious. But it's in the midst of those surrendering to what God's plan is and what he's seeking to do and accomplish in us. Uh, Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's purposes of the Lord that will stand forever. So you may have a lot of plans. Keep them with an open hand. Don't clench around it because that's when you get in trouble. But you can make your plans and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. This is what I would like. Here's what I think is wise. Here's what I'd like to do. Like you can say all those things to the Lord. All that's fine and proper. Like the Lord wants you to commune with him about your desires, about what, you're, what you would like to have, what you don't want to have. You can do all of those things, but right, keep it in open hand so that the Lord can do as he wills with it. 
because his will may not be yours, right? Not my will, but thy will be done. Having an open hand. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We read that a moment ago. Number four there, leading up to this, right? Address the idols of the heart. Fear and worry may reveal areas in our lives where we place something or someone above God, making it an idol that we fear of losing or not obtaining, as I mentioned a moment ago. In Jeremiah 2, verse 13, says the prophet Jeremiah here, and he's speaking about how the people of Israel have forsaken God and who is a fountain of living water and have instead hewn out broken cisterns for themselves that can hold no water. And this metaphor is used to convey the idea that people have turned away from God's ways and are seeking fulfillment in things that are ultimately leaving them unsatisfied and empty. And the broken cisterns symbolize these false gods or these idols and the sinful pursuits that people have turned to instead of relying on the true and abundant source of life, which is God himself. And so by rejecting God's guidance and wisdom, they have chosen paths that lead to spiritual barrenness and futility. And so Jeremiah's message here, the, the prophet that is, uh, he, the words serve as a warning against idolatry and the pursuit of worldly desires that can never truly satisfy the human soul. Guys, we all know this experience, right? We know it personally and we watch it for sure all around us all the time where people are pursuing broken cisterns when God says, hey, I'm living water right here and we're pursuing all of these other things in the midst of life and acknowledging uh, that we think that those things are, are what we're going to be satisfied and find contentment in. So it encourages people to turn back to God, this passage, and find fulfillment, purpose, and true satisfaction in a relationship with him and not the relationships or things of this world that will find us wanting. Ezekiel 4, uh, Ezekiel 14.3, Son of man, these men have taken their idols. And what Ezekiel 14 here is talking about is the, the elders of Israel, right? So this wasn't just the common laity of that time. Uh, this was the elders of Israel that he's speaking of. These men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces, should I indeed let my, myself be consulted by them? Uh, so he is saying, I am going to separate myself from these spiritual leaders because they have idols. And what was amazing when I first read this years and years ago is I thought and I kind of assumed that all the Old Testament really was, when, they, when it spoke of idols, it was talking about like physical idols, right? Like, you know, and we see that as well. But here, you know, that was not the case for these elders of Israel. It was that they had set idols in their hearts. And so we learn that even from ancient Israel and in those times that far before there was ever an idol, a physical idol being constructed, idols took place in the heart first. 
And I would say that principle is every bit as true today. That far before we ever establish a physical idol of any kind in our life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a new boat, whether it's a new house, or whether it's whatever it may be, that far before that takes place, there's an idol of discontentment that's in our heart that has not been addressed, that has not been confronted. And so therefore, you begin seeing that we will do whatever we can get. We'll do whatever we can to get that or not get it, whatever that case may be, in order for us to protect that idol. 1 John 5.21, little children, keep yourself from idols. Right? There's a lot of scriptures throughout uh, the Bible that teach us to be careful for idols. Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? All these things spring forth from idols that exist in the heart first. 1 Corinthians 10.14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Why? We're the Corinthians setting up all kinds of actual physical idols? No. It existed within their culture, for sure, but that's not what was happening. What was happening there in the church of Corinth was that they were having all kinds of idols of, of uh, sexual impurity. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's the objective, right? Is to serve the living and true God and not idols. We're to turn from those and embrace. And the reality is we, the whole Christian life, you know, is about a continual turning away from, right? Whether it's the initial turning away from and initial repentance and confession of our sin and embracing Christ or the rest of our lives, whether it's a besetting sin or whether it's just whatever that nature of that circumstance is in our life that want to turn from that and embrace the living and true God. Number five here, confront your unbelief. Confront your unbelief. Worry and excessive uh, excessively can indicate a struggle with unbelief and doubting God's goodness and his provision in our lives. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so in this verse we begin seeing that the author of Hebrews highlights the importance of faith in our relationship with God and how it relates to dealing with these emotions. That we're to cultivate a faith. That verse emphasizes that having faith is crucial in our connection with God. That faith involves believing in the existence of God and trusting in his promises and his character. And then drawing near to him. So it's not just a faith like that's removed or outside somewhere, right distant from us, but then cultivating this 
relationship by drawing near to God. It means to develop a close and intimate relationship with him. And this relationship is built on trust and reliance on his guidance and provision. And so it's acknowledging not just, okay, yeah, God exists. He's my savior. And so, you know, I'm good. But except when these difficult times come, now I don't know what to do with it, right? I think that's sometimes how we begin to live our Christian life. Is like we get saved, we begin to grow, but then the heat comes, right? And we don't know what to do with it. Well, it's often because we haven't been about the work of cultivating that intimate relationship in having an intimate knowledge and awareness that he is my provider, he is the one that's going to care for me, and even in the midst of this time, he is going to see me through. But it's also belief in God's rewards, as you see there. He rewards those who seek him. The verse speaks of God's rewarding nature for those who seek him. This reward is not necessarily just material possessions, right? In fact, I would say it's probably mostly not material possessions or worldly success, but rather spiritual fulfillment and peace that comes from walking with him, from having a relationship with him. That's the true reward, right? That trials may come, we're promised them. Difficulty's going to come. Hardship's going to come. But having peace in an otherworldly kind of way in the midst of those circumstances, that's a reward. That's the reward where nobody around us in the world can understand that. When they see you walking through a trial or circumstance and you have a perfect peace that surpasses all understanding, wow, what's going on in your life? And it's because you have this reward. And so in the context of dealing with worry, fear, and anxiety, Hebrews 11.6 here encourages us to anchor ourselves in faith and trust in God. And so we begin to see that overcoming worry, when we have faith in God's love to care for us, we can cast our worries upon him knowing that he is attentive to our needs and our concerns. He's not a God that's capricious and doesn't care about what we have going on in our life and he's just allowing difficulty and pain to inflict our lives for no reason or no purpose. No, he he cares. He wants to have relationship and oftentimes he's seeking, you know, you look at the life of Job, right? And what what was going on there? Job didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't know why all this pain and turmoil and trouble was inflicting him. He didn't know. He didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know even that there had been a conversation in the throne room of heaven between Satan and God and God giving Satan permission to go and inflict Job. He didn't know any of that. All he dealt with was the trials, right? Inflicting him wave after wave after wave. That's what he knew. But he knew that he could also trust in God in the midst of that time because he had a relationship. In fact, he answers at one point in the book of Job there, should I receive all these blessings 
and not the trials and hardships? It's the same God. He gives, he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we have to get to that point, and we don't get to that point overnight or by osmosis, right? We get to that point by cultivating that deep relationship with him so that we can get to a point in those moments of temptation for worry and fear and anxiety that we know what to do with them. Trusting God's sovereignty and goodness helps us face our fears with courage, not because we can bear up within ourselves, but knowing that he is with us and will guide us through these challenging times, whatever they may be. And as we draw near to God through prayer, meditation, and seeking his presence, we can experience this peace that surpasses all understanding as Philippians 4 teaches us. Even in the midst of the anxiety-inducing situations, we can have peace. We can have rest. So Hebrews 11.6 reminds us that by faith in God, as the foundation for overcoming fear, worry, anxiety, by nurturing our faith and drawing near to God, we can find strength and comfort and peace in the midst of all the turmoil of life. Uh, maybe a couple other uh, passages, James 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. With full faith, ask, have a relationship with him, cultivate that relationship with him. Uh, number six, fight for contentment. Fight for contentment. Anxiety may point to a lack of contentment within our circumstances, leading us to constantly seek more or different things. Constantly seeking for more or different things. Here it is, Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to be in abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so here we see the Apostle Paul shares his perspective on contentment and how it relates to dealing with these trials and circumstances of life. Did Paul deal with some hard stuff, right? Far harder, far more difficult than I've ever dealt with. Way more. But in these verses, we see how Paul calls us to cultivate contentment. Paul expresses that he must that, that he had to learn, right? That it wasn't just something that came to him. Wasn't just something all of a sudden. No, that he learned it was a process to be content in any situation. So contentment means being satisfied and at peace regardless of the circumstance that we find ourselves in. How do we do that? Well, we learn to practice the principles we're talking about day in, day out, in advance. 
Again, I can't emphasize that enough. We, we have to do these things in advance of the situations and circumstances of life because often it's really difficult to swim against the current when the circumstance is there and now you're trying to learn these principles that the scriptures teach to work against these emotions, right? But also embrace the ups and downs. Paul acknowledges that life has its ups and downs. It's not just all static. You know, very few people just live like this, you know, life that's just, you know, kind of level throughout all of life, right? Some people live, you know, with some, it seems like the trajectory of their life is kind of down. That's hard. We can't help those folks, right? There's some people that just looks like, man, their life is nothing but, you know, peach pie. Not too many of them on either side of that. Most of us have these big dips either way in life, right? Ups and downs and challenges of life that we have to learn to embrace those. Experience both abundance and the scarcity of life. And his contentment does not depend on his external circumstances, but on his internal attitude in the midst of them. Number three there, the secret of contentment. Paul mentions that he has discovered the secret of facing different situations with contentment. And this secret lies in the reliance on Christ and the strength that he receives through him and him alone. It's in the person of Christ. We can't do this alone on our own doing. And so here in this context of worry, fear, and anxiety, Paul in Philippians 4 teaches us that we can overcome worry. We can overcome fear and anxieties of many kinds when we learn to deal with those things in the proper context of our relationship with Christ. Let me just uh, fill in the, the last uh, few gaps for you. Uh, here, and then I'll try to circle back to him to finish him up in the last week together. Uh, number seven, focus on the word, not the world. Focus on the word, not the world. Number eight, seek to resolve trauma or past hurts. We'll talk about that. Number nine, find your security and identity in Christ. Find your security and identity in Christ. And then 10, seek to have others-oriented thinking. Others-oriented thinking. Well, I'll come back to those last uh, couple in our last week together. Again, uh, Pastor Alex will be here next week talking about uh, depression and the challenges uh, that when we don't deal with our emotions uh, the way we uh, hopefully ought to or uh, just have a lot of uh, circumstances and situations that befall us uh, and we get overwhelmed in the midst of life. How do we deal with uh, those deep, dark times uh, in the midst of our lives where it's uh, difficult to find rest? Uh, let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed for today. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you that it is not just uh, big, ethereal, philosophical thoughts, but Lord, that it meets us where 
our human experience is. Lord, it meets us where we have true, genuine fears and worries and anxieties. And Lord, that it meets us and helps us wherever we are to be where we should be. Lord, we pray that we would seek to apply your word, that we'd seek to have a thriving relationship with you in such a way that when those circumstances of life come, where we are tempted to forget who you are and who we are in the midst of our circumstances, that you would remind us of these truths, that we'd be quick to go back to them in those moments, remind ourselves, fight for contentment, and seek to rely and rest in the person of Christ in your sovereignty and your care for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.